Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. We thank you again for your presence, and as we get into your word, I pray that it would fall on the good ground of all of our hearts, my heart, your people's hearts, Lord, and may we make it applicable um, in every area of our lives, Lord, so that you can be glorified in every aspect. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I have a question, a couple questions this morning. Um, And actually, before we do that, we have some really good news um, about the sound uh, next door. Um, would you guys like to hear it? I don't want to put the cart before the horse. Should I say it? Okay, we're going to do it by faith. So um, I'll tell you quickly, really quick. I recently had a dream, um, and it was about, um, should be okay to share. I had a dream that this, it was a Zulu tribe that was uh, in some type of ancient attire, and I was on a lakefront, and this was last week. And they, there was a whole um, entourage of them. They were a big fleet. And they came to us on, shore, on the shoreline. And they offered, I thought they were coming to hurt us. But I knew in my spirit that these were honorable people. And they brought me a gift in this ancient bag. And they bowed their head and they handed it to me. That's a fast forward version of the dream. Um, I sent it to Tamaki. And if you have dreams and need an interpretation, Tamaki, if you could just turn around and just everybody and see Tamaki, wave your hand, Tamaki. She is an amazing, amazing dream interpreter. Well, she interprets this dream for me. And to make a long story short, uh, this represented our neighbors because there was drums in the dream. Well, we've been having sound issues because they've recently moved in. Well, the next day after she interprets this dream, Tamaki, Tamaki doesn't even know this. They called me. Tamaki. They called uh, our associate Moses and they said, listen, we're willing to do whatever we need to do to move the services, to accommodate you guys. Unbeknownst to me, our, uh, the management company, the owners uh, told them that they weren't going to not only pay for their AC system that would, would take $20,000 to fix, they weren't going to pay it until they resolved things with us. Not only that, but they offered them their money back to leave that facility and to vacate to another facility. So they they asked us what would uh, be the best case scenario for us. And we said, well, we would need an hour and a half gap in order for your sound not to interrupt us. They've agreed to give us that hour and a half gap and we'll be starting their services next week at 1130. Isn't God good? (laughs) Isn't God good? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I can speak in tongues on that one, but I won't do it. Amen. Where is God in your life today? Where is he at? Where is his activity? Is your experience with him simply on a Sunday morning? Is it simply heightened based on what people are doing on the pads and the keys and when the drums are really high? Is that the only time that we experience the presence of God? Is he only the God who periodically answers your prayers every now and again? Is he the God of only storybook proportion that your grandparents or parents read to you? Who is God in your life today? And where is his activity? Where is his presence? Have you ever wondered that? Or is he the center of your attention? 
Is he the one who stole your affections? Is he the one that you wake up thinking about? Is he the one that you dream about? Has he stolen your focus? Is he the God of the Bible? The one who is alive and active in your everyday life? Is there such a nearness between you and him that you can almost feel his breath? Is he the God who's described in scripture, both in the Old and the New Testament? Is his presence real to you? Do you sense his nearness? Now, we always hear about how God is omnipresent. Everybody say omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. That means God is simultaneous. He can move in one person's life and answer John John's prayer and help a widow or an orphan on the other side of the earth answering their prayers. They call him the many-breasted one in the Bible. That means God can feed you steak while he's feeding someone else milk or chicken. God is simultaneous. His presence is everywhere all the time, hands down. No questions, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But just because God is present doesn't mean we have his presence. There's a difference between him being present and active in an individual's life and being the internally existed one versus you actually feeling and sensing his presence and have an awareness of that presence. And God is a God of intimacy. Into me, you see. That means God wants you to see in him and he wants to see in you. He wants the closeness. He wants the richness of relationship. This is the reason that humanity was born and, and the reason that he created humanity was to have intense fellowship, intimacy, intimacy. Somebody say intimacy. God desires nearness. You often think, and, and I look out over the body of Christ at large and I I'm grieved at the fact that God is merely only a God of the Bible. And that's true. But that's not where God stops. God is alive and active and wanted to be a part of every detail of our lives. Now, I don't want to get into sensationalism, and I think that the church is probably caught up in some ways uh, in a lot of sensationalism, manifestations. And I believe that God manifests things. He manifests healings. He makes his presence known to people. But I don't want to get so caught up in that. But I think that we're in a generation where we need to find a happy medium where we acknowledge the fact that God exists, but we also are aware of his presence in our everyday lives, where he's alive and active, where he's answering prayers, where you sense him, where you're aware of him, where you can almost feel the warmth of his embrace on a daily basis. He wants to be close to you. Amen? This is why the enemy fights us so hard because he knows if we can stumble in certain areas of our lives and, and, and create habitual sin in our lives, it creates distance when, which interrupts our fellowship with the king, the person who desires an intimate relationship with you on a daily basis. You know all that sin is? I heard it said like this. Sin is godly desires being fulfilled in illegitimate ways. Legitimate desires being fulfilled in illegitimate ways. People go out and have sex. Sex is a natural desire that it was God-given. But people go out and do it, and the enemy inspires people to do certain things outside of God's parameters so that they can no longer experience God, even though that's a God-given thing. Because he knows if they can experience the God-given thing in an ungodly way, they'll be stripped of the enjoyment that God created it for. And that goes with money. That goes with reputation. It goes with sex. It goes with life, health. If you abuse a certain thing, 
and it gets abused. It gets robbed of the enjoyment versus the way that God created it. Amen? Is everybody alive this morning? I want you to go to Genesis chapter one, verse one. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles this morning. I hope you do. We're Bible-believing church. If you don't have your Bible, you have your phone, your iPad, smartphone. Let's get into the word. Hallelujah. I'm going to begin reading Genesis 1, verse, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. Thank you for those of you who are listening um, on podcasts. We welcome you, as well as those who are live streaming with us this morning. Glad you're with us. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And this is why I wanted to read this scripture. And the spirit of God, everybody say, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth. The spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth. I'm gonna say that one more time. I want that to penetrate you. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light and God saw the light and that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. One key point I wanna draw to this scripture is that God, when God created the earth, there was nowhere truly for him to dwell so he hovered. He hovered because the earth was without form and void. He hovered, everybody say hovered. He had no place to dwell. And before creation, before he created man, God simply hovered because he didn't have a place to rest until he made, it, until he made man. And when he made Adam, he finally had a place and a companion to rest on. And that brings me to Genesis. I want to read a couple of these scriptures, then I'm going to kind of pull it together and we're going to have some fun. Genesis 8, 1 through 12. This will also be up on the screen if you have your Bibles. Please read along with us. And it says, Then God remembered Noah, verse 1. And every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth. And the water subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped. And the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters receded continually from the earth. And at the end of the 150 days, the waters decreased. And then the ark rested in the seventh month. In the 17th day of the month on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. Stay with me. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. And so it came to pass at the end of the 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he made. And then he sent out a raven. Here's where it is. Then he sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. This is the verse why this is the reason we're here right now is, is this verse right here. It says, He also sent out for himself a dove. Everybody say a dove. What does the dove represent? What does it mean? The Holy Spirit. He sent out a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground, but the dove found no resting place. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. And she returned to the ark to him. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark himself. And he waited yet another seven days. And again, he sent out a dove from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening. And behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. 
So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, but the dove did not return to him again anymore. The dove represents the Holy Spirit. And I know one of the reasons, and I believe you all know this, the reason that God had sent the waters is because Adam fell and the world began to find itself steep in sin. And so God recreated the earth by washing it with water and washing away all the sins of humanity and preserving Noah and his family. And And then God has Noah send out a dove. Now, the reason the raven didn't come back is ravens in the Bible represent demonic spirits. They don't represent anything good. Rebellious. They're dark. They're black. They feed on dead corpse, but doves are gentle. That's why the Bible says that the dove is a representation of the Holy Spirit. So he sends out the dove and the dove doesn't come back. Now, I started thinking to myself, he sent the dove and the dove didn't come back. And it's like the Holy Spirit illuminated my mind to something. It's because the dove found a branch. And that's why I'm gonna entitle this message, Be a Branch. I want you to turn to your neighbor, whoever's next to you, if they're, they're, they're looking halfway asleep, I want you to nudge them a little bit. I want you to say, be a branch. Be a branch. We all have callings as believers. Say, hi, I have a calling. Say, I have a calling. We all have a calling. And that first calling Without even having to necessarily read the Bible, you should know that you are called to be saved. You're called to be saved. The scripture says that God wills that no man be saved, but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth. That's why the circuit riders do what they do. They're after souls. And I love that. So that's, that's a given in the word of God. But we're all, we also have a calling in the body of Christ. Each and every one of us have a part to play in the body of Christ. There's some of you who are really great at hospitality, who can cook really well. Like my aunts, they're, they're amazing. They're like chefs. Some of you are great ministers of the word of God, can articulate the word like nobody else can. Some of you are intercessors, can pray until heaven shakes and demons tremble. Some of you are really good at uh, administrative things. They know how to organize things. You can walk in a room and immediately you can pick up all the disorder and you, and you think to yourself, I would do this and I would change this and I would turn the AC to this and if it were me, I'd have the screen words on point and I would do all this and I would have this song first and this song last and you're just very administrative and you can put things in order. You're a person of order. That's because we all have a calling and a, and a God-given destiny and design and some of us are great ministers. I'm a very quiet, I'm an introvert who's forced to be an extrovert. I don't really like talking to people very much, but it's something happens to me when I get open the word of God. I love to communicate God's word because it's a gift that God's given me to speak in front of people. I didn't, I didn't graduate high school because I couldn't speak in front of people. I had social anxiety. Now God called me to speak in front of people. How about that? But that's not where the call stops. We don't only stop at being saved and we don't only, st- only stop at be- finding our calling within the body of Christ, but there's another calling. And that's a calling to be a branch. It's a calling to get beyond a head knowledge of the word of God. It's a calling to be a bearer of his presence. A calling to carry the glory of God to your family, to your community, to your place of of work, wherever you work, to your church family, whatever it is. God calls us to be bearers of his presence. God was always looking for a man and a woman to rest on. This may come to a shock to you, but do you know that if God's going to do something, he's going to do it through you. If there's going to be a revival, it's going to be done through you. If God's going to change your family, he's going to change them through you. 
And that doesn't mean you're the Holy Spirit, but if God is gonna move, I got news for you, he's gonna move through you. But he often doesn't move through us and in us until we decide to become a branch and make room for him. The Holy Spirit, if he's gonna move in our life, we have to make room for him. Amen? And God is desiring, even in this moment, I felt this word for this church this morning, that you gotta get prepared in this season, especially in 2019, to become a branch for God to rest on. There's things in your life that God is wanting to do, miracles that God is wanting to happen in your life, people that he wants you to change and bring transformation to, bless you and your family. But in order to do that, God is gonna have to move in us and through us. But if he's gonna do that, we have to prepare to be a branch. Amen? I feel such a sense in the room, and I felt this particularly the past few weeks, that there's a mighty awakening coming to the body of Christ. There's a move that's going to hit the body of Christ, I think, that is, that is historical. And it's not just because the sin is coming. I think that's just a fruit of what's been happening in the Spirit for many, many years. And all I can say is, church, get ready. People, get ready. Get your houses in order. Get your minds right with God, your hearts right with God, because there's an awakening coming like never before. I said the other week, I had this dream about this tsunami coming, and I think that represents many things. I think it represents a cleansing within the body of Christ. But I also believe it means a great mighty move of the Holy Spirit's gonna happen because we can't carry out this walk on our own, guys. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit. This cannot be just head knowledge. Head knowledge doesn't change an individual, but the Spirit of God does. Amen? I feel you, Lord. The word of God says this. I just, scripture just popped in my mind. The word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any, any two-edged sword. I, we cannot discount that. The word of God is absolutely critical. But until the Holy Spirit breathes on it in the human heart, you will never see true change and transformation. It's the presence of God that carries out the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God that's alive and active in a person's life that shifts atmospheres, that changes nations, that changes families, that changes the trajectory of someone's destiny and purpose. I know people who can quote the Bible from front to back, but who can't stop doing what they're doing. They have no power. They have no power. And if we're going to have power, we can't just have him present. We must have his presence. Say his presence. We have to have the presence of the Lord. But in order to do that, we have to be a branch. Point number one, the dove, the Holy Spirit seeks a habitation. He seeks a habitation. The Bible says it like this in second Chronicles. And I don't know if you have it, Keegan, you may or may not. It says this in second Chronicles, take notes. If it's not up on the screen, it's, it's chapter 16, verse nine. And it says this for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The Lord is looking for branches. He's looking for branches. He's looking for a holy abode to make his own so that he can manifest himself to the world that we know. He wants to perch himself up on the branch of your life and show his spiritual muscles off to a dark and dying world. He wants to show the world that he's alive and that he's a risen savior who's able to change the face of humanity and able to change the trajectory of your life and able to inspire destiny and still heal the sick and still answer prayer and still still show people that he's able to so inhabit you that you can live a moral life and it not be a struggle for you living it. Say amen to that. 
I always wondered, and I'm not gonna say, what I'm about to say right now, I do not say this arrogantly, I say this very humbly. I thought I would struggle with a lot of the stuff that I struggled with in my past, and I'd been through a whole lot. And people who know me know that. Dad was murdered when I was nine years old. I'm probably not gonna say the next thing, but it led me into a pretty bad lifestyle and a lot of poor life choices. And if you name a sin, we'll just kind of keep it um, general. There's probably not one sin that I hadn't struggled with in life. And I thought I would always struggle with those sins. I thought I always would. You name it, sexual immorality, pride, anger, rage, you name it. And I can honestly say that there's not one of those struggles that I struggle with. Why? Because the presence of the Lord deals with the inadequacy of man because our adequacy is from God. We can't serve two masters, but it it does require a life of death, a life of death where we move out of the way where the Holy Spirit can take occupancy. So be a branch. If you want to minimize your struggles and eliminate the struggles, be a branch, make room for him. Amen. And the more room we make for him and the more occupancy the more, the more life generates through you. That's why the Bible says that unless a man, if a man seeks to save his life, he'll lose it. But if he loses it for my sake, he'll find life. You have to lay down your own agenda and be a branch and allow the Holy Spirit to take such occupancy in your life where the living, risen Christ is pulsating through you each and every day. I'm not talking about a feeling. I'm talking about a fact. But there is life beyond the struggles but that happens when the Holy Spirit takes full occupancy in the life of the believer. And right now I'm hating time. I can't believe it's 1126. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospels, we know it. That was God with us. But from Acts on, it's God in us. God in us. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus, the Christ, the word that became flesh, dwelt among us, who walked with us, talked with us, modeled to us how to live. But now after that, when the book of Acts hit and the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit blew like a mighty rushing wind. And now it's no longer God with us. It is God in us, dwelling in humanity, working with humanity, carrying out the will of the Father, establishing the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Guys, this is critical. This is critical. The presence of God is absolutely critical. I know you've been told if you go to church enough, if you read your Bible enough, if you pray hard enough, God's gonna manifest. God's gonna bring revival. But people, can I tell you, if you stick your head in a hole and the Holy Spirit so baptizes you and fills you with the Holy Spirit, your whole life and your world around you will absolutely change and will change in a moment what you couldn't do in three years going to church and reading chapter by chapter and verse by verse and praying until fire comes down. When the presence of the Lord hits the life of a believer, it will change and will manifest things in your life that you had not ever seen. And he will do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. But God is looking for a holy habitation. He's looking for branches. He's the Holy Spirit. And he's looking for branches this morning. Will you be a branch in 2019 and watch God manifest some things that you've been waiting on? Amen. God has an irresistible and insatiable desire to rest in your life. He's hungry. We say that God doesn't have a need, that he's the eternal self-existed one. And I do believe that. And I don't believe he gets thirsty or he gets hungry physically, but I believe he's hungry for intimacy. He's hungry to be close to us and to sense and to have, uh, for you to have a sense and an awareness of his presence like never before. So God does have a need and that, that need is a need to be loved back. 
and to have fellowship. He would have never created had he not had a need. He has a need to be loved and a need to be intimate with his bride. Amen. Point number two, God's presence is vital. Somebody say it's vital. God's presence is vital. I think I I quoted this and I coined it just a minute ago. Luke 11, uh, verse two, it says this. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let me say this. If the world and the world around you is gonna get a glimpse, then we must be conduits for God to move through. Does everybody know what a conduit is? A conduit is, is what they, they surround electrical uh, with. It's a conduit, like on the back of the wall back there. It's conduit. He wants to move through us, in us and through us. And we have to make ourselves available for God to move. Did you know that God will not move unless he moves through you? I know that's hard for some of your theology. God wanted to move in the earth and he sent Jesus because he needed a body to work through. Evil spirits need their uh, need bodies to inhabit to get their will done, but God needs bodies to get his will done in the earth. So if God is going to get something through to this generation, he's going to do it through you guys. If he's going to do something in your home, he's going to do it through you. So God needs conduits to move through in order to manifest his perfect will so that his kingdom can come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there sickness in heaven? Is there sickness in heaven? So God's will is not for sickness to be here. Wherever there is sickness, disease, or sin, or things that are out of line with heaven and with his word, it's simply where a lack of his presence is. Are you here? Wherever there is dysfunction, it shows where a lack of his presence is. So if God, if things are going to change in our lives, we must be conduits. If things are going to change in around us, we have to be the conduits whereby heaven manifests through us, in us, so it can manifest around us so that Jesus can be the light of the world. That's what he said. He said, no longer am just I am the light of the world, which he is the light of the world. But he said, now you're the light of the world, the salt of the earth, city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So if God's going to do something, he's going to do it through you. Nudge somebody with an elbow and kind of wake them up a little bit. Nudge them kind of hard and say, he's going to do it through you. He's going to do it through you. But we must be conduits for heaven. Amen? For a believer, for a believer, a lack of his presence should make us feel like a fish out of water. Why do you think people get caught up in all type of sin and addictions? It's because when we try to compensate for a lack of, or we supplement, people ask me all the time, you know, how do you stay out of sin? I just stay busy doing the things of God and it keeps me satisfied. But when you don't, when you don't stay busy in the things of God and feed your spirit, you get hungry for other things. Just like when Peter, remember when Peter denied Jesus, it says he cursed and he went out and said, I don't know the man. And he went and warmed himself by the fire physically. It's because when you lose your internal fire, you need something outside to keep you warm. And so when you stay on fire on the inside, you don't need natural things to satisfy you because your your satisfaction, your adequacy is from the Father, from his Holy Spirit, from his presence. 
And when you try to live outside of his presence, we become defective. And we hunger and thirst for things that we have no business engaging into. Amen? But when you find satisfaction in his presence and serving him, you don't need all these other things. You won't seek it in relationships. You thought by marrying your spouse it would satisfy you. The Lord is the only one who can ultimately satisfy the human soul and the human spirit. Amen? So pull him close. Pull him close and be a branch. Amen? And it'll satisfy every every longing of your heart. You know, I often think about the church at large, and I know we're a new church and things are beginning to happen. We're only four months in. Give the Lord a hand clap for that, four months in. Praise God, brand new. We're brand new. But when I say this, I don't mean just this church. I mean the church at large. The reason it has no power is because it has no presence. And when it has no presence, it's the same thing in the church. Now, they may not be doing sinful things, but they think uh, coffee and muffins are a supplement for the Holy Spirit. Since we can't get him to come, we get all these events and we serve all these different foods. And, and I'm all for that as long as you have both. But you cannot, you cannot supplement the presence of God. It cannot be supplemented. This is why people church hop. They think that if they hop from church to church that they'll end, ultimately end up finding what they're looking for. But what we're really looking for, and what our human spirit and our soul is screaming for is more of the presence of God. We're hungry for him. We just don't know how to verbalize our hunger. So we live in constant search for him, not knowing that, don't, don't, and don't wait on me just to, uh, or a good sermon or, or, or a great worship service to engage into the presence of God. I was in my bathroom this morning brushing my teeth. You can be cleaning out your closet and experience the presence of God. God desires, like he, when he dwelt with Adam and Eve, he wants to be a part of your everyday life and for you to sense his presence in every aspect of your lives. And sometimes it's hard to do it with a screaming baby, and I can testify to that. That just means I need his presence even more so I don't pull the little bit of hair that I have out of my head. Amen? Number three, his presence makes the difference, guys. Say his presence, it makes the difference. I want to read something to you, and it's from Exodus 13, 20. I'm almost done. It says this. So they took their journey from Sukkoth and camped at Ethiam at the edge of the wilderness. And so the Lord went before them by day in a pillar and a cloud to lead them by the way. And by night, a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night, he did not take away the pillar or the cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. They knew they had a key. Joshua had a key in the Old Testament. Is that up on the screen? No. Joshua had a key in the Old Testament When they would carry the Ark of the Covenant, how many know what the Ark of the Covenant was? The Ark of the Covenant was what the Israelites would carry into battle. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was comprised, it looked like a big treasure chest with wings over it. And inside was, it carried the broken tablets that Moses broke, the Ten Commandments. But it's where the physical presence of God dwelt. This is before Jesus came. It was the physical presence of God. And so before they would go and engage into battle, the Ark of the Covenant would go before them. And if the Ark of the Covenant wasn't with them, they would lose the battle. But when the Ark of the Covenant was with them, they would win the battle. And so this 
speaks to us spiritually today and is applicable today because unless the presence of the Lord goes before us by night and goes before us by day, we will not win our battles. And so this is critical that we live and abide in the presence of the Lord and we allow him to go before us and behind us and to be the branch that he's called us to be if we're gonna walk in complete victory in 2019. Amen? Because he's the pillar of fire by night, but he's the cloud of, he's the pillar of, he's the cloud by, uh, by day. Amen? Hallelujah. I want you to read this with me. I, I don't know if you have this. It's, it's, it's in Mark. Um, go to Mark 1. Go to Mark 1. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday as you're going there. I was thinking about the early church, guys. And I was thinking about how these people didn't say, have to say they were Christians. They would go and people would get healed. They met underground. They had to have specific little signs like little fish and things like that to identify that they were Christians. And the Roman soldiers would eventually come and find out and Nero, the king, would kill them. They would set them on fire. They would use their bodies to be burned at night to light the whole city. They would bring them into big cathedrals, feed them to lions. But they, they didn't profess Christ, but they just lived it out. These days, you have to ask people. When I meet people and, I, and they tell me they're a Christian, I, I, I really wonder what that means. Because I'm having a problem in today's society, in today's generation, finding out what that really means. Because they were marked by his presence. They weren't marked by a crucifix wearing around their neck or their bumper sticker. And I believe in bumper stickers. I love that. Z88.3, safe for the little ears. I love all that stuff. I love, I love, you know, wearing the crucifix and the cross. But these people didn't have to tell you they were believers. They carried his presence because they were branches. And everywhere they would go, healings would happen. Signs and wonders would happen. Atmospheres would change. Their cities would change. Their nation changed because of what they carried in their life. And this is why the presence of God is so vital in the life of a believer, because it's the difference that makes the difference. Say, it's the difference that makes the difference. In Mark 1, 9, 11, it says this, and it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Everybody say like a dove. Then the voice came from heaven and said this, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Will you stand to your feet? Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.